Iowa football was in tatters to begin the 2022 season. Spencer Petrus was one of the worst quarterbacks I have seen with my naked eyes, having a QB efficiency ranking that was 114th to conclude the year, struggling against South Dakota State University in a game where Iowa won 7-3, not because of one lone offensive touchdown, but because of a field goal and two safeties. Unbelievable. An Iowa touchdown, the meme will forever be that Iowa will have an easier time scoring seven points with a field goal and two safeties than with running a competent offense, thanks to nepotism and he who shall not be named running the offense as a result of said nepotism. I digress. Offense in 2022 and consequentially Iowa football period amen in 2022 was an abomination to watch. Iowa, I think, is the only team in college football history, correct me if I'm wrong, but I at least think the only team in college football in the 21st century to block two punts in one game and still lose while having home field advantage and against a team that finished the season with a record that was worse than 500, that being Iowa State. Matt Campbell, in one of his, with one of his worst Iowa State teams ever. They went 4-8, and 1-8, and eight, a lot of close losses, but still worst record in his tenure at Iowa State, I think, or at least second worst, somewhere there. He beat Kirk Ferentz in Kinnick Stadium for his first time ever. Iowa started out 3-1, and one, having unimpressive wins over Rutgers and Nevada. They barely beat South Dakota State at home, which again, they won the national championship in the FCS, but seeing that Iowa was near the preseason top 25 in multiple rankings, that made it even worse, at least at the time. In retrospect, we understand that an FCS team that's the number one in their league will competently play against most even power five schools, but Iowa, how close they played them, unacceptable. And then losing at home against the in-state rival is, of course, a nail in the coffin to start out the year, especially when Michigan and Ohio State are on the schedule. Iowa got their heads smashed into a brick wall by Michigan's run game, game control, and the fact that Spencer Petrus against the Wolverines was sacked four times. He got sacked a ton in the next game against Illinois, got sacked five times there, and Illinois with their backup kicker, beat Iowa in a battle of field goals, with Iowa losing 6-9. to nine. And then, after a bye week, where you think that maybe the offense can get some more preparation, Iowa comes out against Ohio State, and they even get a defensive touchdown. And they, they made life harder for C.J. Stroud than I thought they were going to. And yet, Iowa turns it over six times on the offensive side of the ball. Spencer Petrus was 6 of 14 for 49 yards, and Iowa only had 158 yards of offense. It was insanity. I did not even know what I was watching, if I'm being real with you. Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta had more receiving yards than Petrus had passing yards. It's insanity. That's crazy. Um, even with little to no offensive talent because of the way that Iowa recruits, and even with average development, that is an abomination and unacceptable. After that game in which Iowa lost 10-54, to 
where Ohio State, they were angry, wanted to score as many points as possible. Who cares? They, they broke Iowa's defense. After a 3-4 and four start, Iowa quietly finished 8-5. and five. And that's important to note because you get momentum. Um, the team, all in all, looked better in the month of November. They beat Minnesota. They beat Wisconsin. They smashed Purdue on the road, who ended up winning the Big Ten West. They, thankfully, if you're an Iowa fan, crushed Northwestern. And even though they had a disappointing loss to Nebraska to conclude the season, um, Nebraska, at least the regular season, Nebraska nearly choked that game away too, but they held on for the win. Iowa, they had Cooper DeGene and Spencer Petrus hurt. And while even if those two were healthy, I still think Nebraska would have held on to win. They had much better play offensively. Ramir Johnson, Casey Thompson, Marcus Washington, and Trey Palmer, all those skill players had lights-out performances. Starting off 3-4, and four, when it looks like your team is not going to win a bowl game, and your team plays badly against Nevada and South Dakota State and Rutgers, and then beating teams like Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Kentucky, who had winning records, that is an encouraging finish to the year. And Petrus, even though he was still awful, got better as the year progressed. But he's gone for someone with a 6'5 frame, a little over 230 pounds. It was a shame that he could never pan out, but he didn't because of horrendous coaching. Iowa in 2023 isn't going to rely as much on coaching on the offensive side of the ball, at least, because they are bringing in some notable transfers, some guys that we know of, whether you're an Ohio State fan or a Michigan fan, whether your team beat Iowa to a pulp or not, you will know some of these players. And I say that kind of in a funny, snarky way because it's true. Caleb Brown was on Ohio State, who beat Iowa by 44 points last year, and he'll probably become their best wide receiver. Highly recruited out of high school, got one year of development under Brian Hartline, and I think he'll immediately become wide receiver one there. Also, in terms of Michigan, Michigan lost Eric All and Kate McNamara to the transfer portal, both coming off of injuries, and McNamara was benched before he even got injured. And Cade McNamara will be by far and away Iowa's best quarterback that they have seen in years. He might even be better than Nate Stanley. At minimum, he'll be better than Spencer Petras or Alex Padilla. And Eric All pairing him with Luke Lachey, that's a lethal tight end room. So Iowa's being smart. In my opinion, they're being very intelligent by using the portal. They have a top 50 transfer portal class. They're bringing in quarterbacks Deacon Hill and Cade McNamara from Wisconsin and Michigan, respectively. They're bringing in Dejon Parker from Saginaw State in the offensive line. Eric All, a tight end from Michigan. They also, after losing Justin Jacobs, a linebacker to Oregon, they brought in Nick Jackson, a linebacker from Virginia, who has the same ranking that Jacobs had when he departed. Seth Anderson is a wide receiver coming from one of the lower levels of college football. He should contribute to Iowa, though. Very underrated player. Rusty Feth is another player, an offensive guard from Miami of Ohio, who's transferring in. And of course, you have Caleb Brown, incoming transfer from the Ohio State University. So Iowa, I think, has hope in 2023. Their offense should be miles better. And miles better from awful is just, I would say, below average or, or average. 
But imagine pairing a below-average offense or an average offense with the defense that they had. And yes, I've seen some comments, and I've read some comments that say that Iowa's defense, well, statistically is number one and is statistically elite, in the biggest of games they fold. And there is a fair point to this. And I think there are multiple reasons for this. I think one reason is that Iowa doesn't have a lot of four and five stars. Now, they're great at development, but developing from three stars and to get them to play at the level of four and five stars constantly is very difficult. It's something that even the best defensive coordinator in the country, Phil Parker, has a hard time doing. And consequentially, Iowa, their defense, and you you saw this whether it was against Purdue in 2021, when Riley Moss and I forget the name of the safety who played, but they, they were injured. Or last year against Nebraska when DeGene was injured. They consequentially have less depth than the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, even if their starters play at that same NFL level, because it's so hard to take those three stars, two stars, maybe an occasional four star, and get diamonds out of all of those rocks. It's just easier to start out with diamonds if you know what I mean, like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and even by comparison, Penn State, Michigan, Texas, and a lot of these other programs recruit miles ahead of what Iowa does. So recruiting's one of it. But an even bigger reason than recruiting, number two, is when you have that poor of an offense and your defense is on the field that much, it'll eventually get worn down, either mentally, physically, or a combination of the both. I'd argue the way that Iowa's offense played in 2022, their defense probably got spiritually broken. I mean, that was a abomination of an offense. And they had good players, too. Caleb Johnson's a really good running back. There are some offensive linemen for that Iowa team who are good players, too. But the offense was disorganized, and nothing ever came together. So Iowa, I think in 2023, with incoming transfers and many other things that could go their way, an easier schedule being one of them could help. The defense, when you have that poor of an offense and when you recruit the way you do, you can't blame them for in games against Michigan and Ohio State eventually breaking down. You can't do it. You need to have a better offense. And Iowa football, this is not good news. They rank 98th in the country in returning production. 72nd on offense, 102nd on defense. Defensively, I would almost ignore that returning production value because Iowa under Phil Parker, you look at the reputation that Iowa has on defense, and it is just, it's crazy. They've led the nation in interceptions since 2017. That's a cumulative number. They have the number two scoring defense in 2022, the 13th best scoring defense in 2021, the sixth best in 2020, the fifth best in 2019. 11th in 2018, 17th in 2017, 16th, not 16th, but 13th in 16, 20th in 15 when they got 12 wins. I mean, they've had top 20 defenses for nearly a decade in a row. And with the way they recruit, that is nearly impossible to do. That is an outlier. They prove every year that they can develop defensive talent, that they can reload defensively. Lose Riley Moss, lose a good cornerback, lose whatever. Oh, we'll, we'll just plug and play with some person that we may have never even heard of unless we're a dedicated 
Iowa fan, or unless we, you know, study all the way down to the third or fourth depth chart. It's crazy, especially at secondary. I mean, you look at secondary and, and Deshaun Lee, TJ Hall, um, Davion Hilson, and some of these guys who are second and third stringers at corner might be legitimate starters at many other Power 5 programs. Xavier Nwankpa, he was a highly recruited player who chose Iowa over the likes of Alabama and many others. Five-star according to 24-7 Sports. He will be at strong safety this year. And I look at this secondary, and I think that even in losing some key players, they will be great. And you look at linebacker, Jay Higgins, Nick Jackson, Sebastian Castro with the cash position, and then on the defensive line, Joe Evans, Logan Lee, Deontay Craig, Noah Shannon. These guys are all juniors or seniors. This team just reeks of depth, experience. Iowa as well has a lot of rotational players. Lucas Van Ness is an example of a player who I don't think started a career game. I don't think, or at least he started a few games. But as a rotational player, he looked elite. Elite enough to be drafted in the first round. So this team defensively is going to be good. The question, of course, is offensively. What about that 72nd place in returning production on offense? How much will that matter with incoming transfers? Does that mean even with incoming transfers, the lack of returning experience could cause some issues? Especially knowing that with no changes being made and he who shall not be named still being the offensive coordinator, is, is it going to matter? I mean, they have the 48th transfer portal class. They have four they have four three stars and three four stars coming in by transfer portal rankings. Seth Anderson's un, unranked. So they have eight total incoming guys, most of whom are on the offensive side of the ball. I think only Nick, Nick Jackson's the only defensive player who's coming in. Caleb Brown and Seth Anderson are wide receivers. Deacon Hill and Cade McNamara are quarterbacks. Eric Gull's a tight end and Dejan Parker and Rusty Fether, offensive lineman. So will that even matter? That's a legitimate question. And it's important. Returning production is important. When you have good coaching, I would say either good coaching or good recruiting or a combination of the both, you don't have to take it into account as much. And defensively, where Iowa has proven they can get eight or more wins every year with just playing defense— and with the improvements they're bringing in on the offensive side of the ball, I think that this returning production number, while not great, certainly, and I would say that low of returning production indicates that if you're an Iowa fan, and this dream, if it existed, was already dead, but there's no playoff win. Winning the Big Ten championship game is likely impossible unless something fluky happens in the East or something fluky happens in the Big Ten championship game. Even reaching the Big Ten championship game will be very challenging with Nebraska and Wisconsin upgrading their coaches. Minnesota, I think their offense is going to be forced to modernize this year with Ibrahim leaving and the depth they have at wide receiver, tight end, tackle, and they have a mobile quarterback. So there's a lot of questions for Iowa. Iowa is an old-school program. Mark D'Antonio, for example, he modeled his Michigan State Spartans off of Kirk Ferentz's Iowa program, and he's gone. He retired, 
And to a certain degree, the world of college football forced him out because his tenure did not end in a glorious way. And for Kirk Ferentz, it very well could be the same thing. For a brief moment after 2021, with how Georgia basically won the national title with dominating defense and a good to great offense, but a far from elite offense in 2021 that really capitalized off the great defense, I thought that maybe, maybe there could be a return to the era where you did not have to have a great offense to win a national championship, or, or at least to contend constantly for conference championships and New Year's Six Bowls. And boy, I was wrong, because Georgia's defense statistically took a, actually a sizable step back from their 2021 unit, and their offense took a huge leap forward, and that's why they were able to repeat. If they tried to use the same style of football they played in 2021 with their 2022 team, they wouldn't have beaten Ohio State. They just wouldn't have. They, they, ha they had to adapt. Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, even Nick Saban returning to his older identity of playing better defense and pounding the football, he still is going to want to have great quarterback play, great wide receiver play, great tight end play, and most importantly, elite offensive line play, which is something that Iowa has been removed from for the past few seasons. Luckily, when it comes to Iowa, they have one of the Big Ten's easier schedules. Their toughest game is on the road at Penn State. There is no Michigan, no Ohio State this year. None of that. Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State plays Wisconsin on the road and Purdue on the road, and they play Minnesota. Michigan plays Minnesota and Nebraska on the road, and they host Purdue. Neither plays Iowa. Iowa plays Michigan State at home, Penn State on the road, and they also play Rutgers at home. So they host Rutgers in Michigan State, play at Penn State. Those are their East Division crossover opponents. And the reason I emphasize that especially is if you look at Illinois, for example, last year, who was one of the better teams in the West, they lost all their crossover games. All of them. They lost to Indiana, Michigan State, and Michigan. So the East really is, in many things, some would say all things, but in many things far above the West. Their cross-divisional slate is easy, and they host Illinois, they host Minnesota, they host Purdue, they host Rutgers, they play at Iowa State, but I think that Iowa, with their history, and with their, I think, superior incoming portal class is a really good chance of winning that game, and they play on the road at Northwestern, who again should be a dud this year, at Nebraska, and at Wisconsin, will be games to pay attention to, and of course, the road game at Penn State, Home games against Minnesota, Michigan State, and Illinois could also prove to be troublesome depending on how the season goes. But we won't know that until Iowa plays one game, two games, three games, etc. Looking at 2023 and what I think of this team, I think the Hawkeyes should have a powerful run game behind Caleb Johnson. And the offensive line returns their center, Logan Jones, after losing Tyler Linderbaum after 2021. So they have a center with experience. And they also return tackle Mason Richmond. And I think this offensive line should improve, which of course is going to help Caleb Johnson, who cemented himself as Iowa's best running back after his peer, whose name I briefly forget, ended up transferring away. He transferred away, I think, to Northern Illinois, That yeah, that being Gavin Williams. Caleb Johnson 
ended up with 779 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, and he averaged 5.2 yards per carry behind an offensive line that was one of Iowa's worst. And he had 151 carries. This is after he began the year with three carries against South Dakota State, four against Iowa State, and seven against Nevada. So against some of Iowa's easier opponents, he barely got any touches. And that, of course, probably is what prevented him from getting at least over 900 yards, if not over 1,000 yards. Very good running back. I think that just looking at it from a game-by-game perspective, he kind of did what Braylon Allen did in 2021, where he didn't get in game action early, and not everyone knew about him or paid attention to him early on. But as the year progressed, he looked good. He averaged 9.1 yards per carry against Purdue a team that in 2022 at times was very good against the run. He averaged 7.2 against Northwestern, 5.4 against Minnesota, 6.8 against Nebraska, struggled against Kentucky, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois, but all those teams had phenomenal defenses as compared to Iowa's poorest offense. I think with a better quarterback, better offensive line, and with another preseason year of work, Caleb Johnson should pass that 1,000-yard mark, and Iowa will finally have a good run game, which is something they lacked severely in 2022. Cade McNamara should be the best quarterback since Nate Stanley for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Cade led Michigan to success. He is the reason, a big part of the reason, why Michigan is where they are today. This is coming from a Michigan fan. This is coming from a Michigan fan who even sadly doubted this guy entering 2021 and and wanted Alan Bowman to start and even wanted maybe just to throw J.J. McCarthy in there with the higher upside to start. But McNamara, just through being steady, not turning the ball over, and having high football IQ proved everyone wrong. And he led Michigan to a 12-2 record in 2021, beat Ohio State. He, he, He can throw. Look, he's an underrated guy because he didn't start in 2022, and the times that he did, he looked frustrated, he looked off, and he wasn't the best quarterback in the world in 2021. People have kind of forgotten about him. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people asked this year, who's that Cade McNamara kid? That wouldn't shock me at all. And it wouldn't shock me at all if they were asking that after he led Iowa to a major win. Maybe they upset Penn State on the road. Maybe they, I don't know, like blow out Iowa State or blow out Michigan State. I mean, Iowa blowing out anyone would send shockwaves throughout the nation because they've proven to a certain degree they are incapable of doing that without tons of turnovers and tons of defensive touchdowns. Maybe they go on the road at Wisconsin and just shut them down. And Cade, as he's done before against whether it's Ohio State whether it was Michigan State, where he was the, the reason that Michigan was in that game because they couldn't run the football, or against Penn State, he makes a long throw, or he makes a simple throw to a wide-open Eric All, who goes and just wins the game for the team. So he's very underrated, and the Big Ten this year is stacked at quarterback. It's, it's, un, it's unreal. I mean, Wisconsin is a good quarterback, Maryland and Talia Tagovailoa, they, I mean, he should be the best that he's ever been. 
Michigan's J.J. McCarthy. Michigan finally has a, a near elite to potentially elite quarterback. Ohio State will just reload. Michigan State and Noah Kim, you got to assume that if Peyton Thorne left, if he didn't feel like the job was locked, that Noah Kim has something going on there. Penn State has Drew Aller, their highest-ranked quarterback in history. Ethan Kaliak-Manis at Minnesota, he is someone who's going to be above average. Jeff Sims is going to be great. Cade McNamara, I mean, Cade could be in the bottom half easily of Big Ten quarterbacks and still be a good Power 5 quarterback. The, the Big Ten and, and the SEC, too, more importantly, the Pac-12, and I think the Big Ten might be more so at the top of this list, but especially the Pac-12, they're loaded at quarterback. It's unreal. So in a sea where Cade will be easily drowned out by the noise, don't care about that, just win games. And McNamara will win you games. He will win close games. He will win blowouts. He will not win a college football playoff game. But he could even, this might be bold, but with the easy schedule, maybe he could even get the Hawkeyes there. Or at least in a position to where, if they miraculously win the Big Ten championship game, if he gets them there, then, maybe with just one loss on the record, they could slip in. Phil Parker returns Cooper DeGene at cornerback, and the secondary should just reload, be elite. They've actually recruited well there, as I've mentioned earlier. They have a, a five-star at secondary in Xavier Duanpa. They have Sebastian Castro, Jamari Harris, Quinn Schulte. They have a lot of good guys. And Duanpa and DeGene, they still have years of eligibility. The other three are... Seniors, of course, Iowa runs a 4-2-5-4-3 defense, so you got that physical front that in theory should be able to stop the run. That's something Iowa struggled against last year, especially in the Michigan game, but granted, that's Michigan. That was the Joe Moore Award offensive line, so according to the regular season, the best offensive line of the year. So to a certain degree, it's like, what do you expect? This defense is automatically going to reload, and defensive linemen Deontay Craig and Joe Evans had a combined 13.5 sacks and 19 tackles for loss in 2022, and they return. So it's not just the secondary, it's also the defensive line, too. And linebacker Nick Jackson, he was good at Virginia on a team that was plagued by tragedy, a tragedy late in the season that was just really unfortunate really sad, in a team that before then just wasn't playing solid football. So all in all, I like the look of Iowa football entering 2023. This is one of the sturdier rosters in the Big Ten. I can't necessarily say the same about coaching, but Kirk Ferentz and Phil Parker, the two out of the three, if you're counting the head coach and coordinators, the, the biggest head men of the staff, they're great. So I think an 11, maybe 12 win season is possible. That would be the ceiling of the program, though, would be 11, 12 wins. I think 9 or 10 is more likely. I think this team is going to improve record-wise at minimum off of last year due to an easier schedule, but I think the team, too, will be better and superior to last year's unit. Thank you guys for watching. If you like this video, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and comment your thoughts down below. And make sure to hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more Iowa football, Big Ten football, and college football content. See you guys later. Bye-bye.